Greetings, listeners of the Latin Prayer Podcast, and welcome back for another episode. Today is episode 100. I can't believe we've made it this far, but I'm excited for today's episode because we're going to be looking at how to have a transformative Lent. How do you take your Lent and make it the most powerful, the most fruitful that it could possibly be? But first, I want to thank all of you who listen to the podcast, especially those of you who pray the rosary daily. Don't forget to check out the show notes for the daily rosary links, and please share this podcast with your friends and family. Remember, Pope St. Pius X once said, if there were one million families praying the rosary every day, the entire world would be saved. If you're listening on YouTube, Spotify, or iTunes, please hit the like button, leave a comment to show your support. Your engagement is what helps the podcast grow. If you've got any questions or suggestions for future episodes, please don't hesitate to reach out to me via email at latinprayerpodcast at gmail.com. Lastly, if you'd like to support the podcast further, please consider becoming a subscriber on my Patreon page. With a minimum monthly donation of only $1 to $2, you can help me continue to create meaningful content for you. Before we end today's episode, we will pray for our wonderful patrons, their families, and their intentions. So thank you again for tuning in. Let's dive into today's episode. Now, I've titled this episode, How to Have a Transformative Lent. Now, that question needs to be answered before we dive into what is this season, what are the things that we can do, because we need to begin with the end in mind. This idea of a transformation taking place is very important. We need to start with who are we becoming? If we simply just take up practices and give up and sacrifice certain things for 40 days, so that at the end of 40 days we can just start doing those things again, it was really just a waste of time. The idea of a transformation is, who am I becoming? God in his infinite wisdom has placed you and I at this moment in time. He has given us these difficulties and these challenges to wrestle with. Because he knows it is good for us that by wrestling with these things, that we will become the saint that he is destined from all eternity for us to become. That is the whole purpose and meaning of our life, is so that we can spend all eternity in heaven with him, and there's only one way to do that, and that is to become the saint version of us. To root out our predominant faults and vices, and to develop their corresponding virtues. So before we dive into the rest of this episode, why don't we start with getting absolutely clear on what the saint version of us looks like. And every sacrifice that we offer to God and every practice that we take up now should aid in us closing the gap between where we are right now, the fallen version of us, to the saint version of us, the best version of us. So that come Easter Sunday, we can truly look at ourselves and not just pick up all the things that we had put down before, but we can truly say that a transformation took place and that we can carry that into eternity. So with now us understanding why we need to do this, we can look at the how we can do it and what are the individual details of drawing closer to God by becoming the best version of ourselves, the saint version of ourselves. Now, the word Lent comes from the Old English word lengten, which means springtime. 
and it symbolizes a period of 40 days beginning on Ash Wednesday, and it ends on the Vespers of Holy Saturday, with six Sundays in between, which are excluded from the liturgical count. The term quadragesima, which is part of the septuagesima tide, derived from Latin translates to 40 and reflects the 40-day period that Christ spent in the desert, which forms the basis of the season. Now, the last two weeks of Lent are referred to as Passiontide, which comprise Passion Week and Holy Week, beginning respectively on Passion Sunday and then the following week, Palm Sunday. And of course, the final three days of Holy Week, known as the Sacred Triduum, include Monday, Thursday, which is part of Mandatum Thursday, Good Friday, and Holy Saturday. That's actually a separate season outside of the Lenten season. It's given its own season those three days. The essence of the season revolves around the cross and, of course, penance, because we're striving to emulate Christ's 40 days of fasting in the desert. It's interesting to note there's two other figures in the Old Testament that also fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, Moses and Elias. And our Lord, in fasting with him, we are anticipating this glorious triumph of Easter. Now, throughout this period, we're going to engage, of course, in fasting, but also abstinence, self-mortification, charitable giving, and we're going to try to prioritize thoughts and actions of goodwill towards others. Because if you think about it as cultivating the mindset of how can I atone for my sins, or how might I serve God in a redemptive capacity, or how can I be an example to others? How can I make it easy for others to also do the same? This is the key to this season's ethos. In addition, we have to try to reflect upon the four last things, which are death, judgment, heaven, and hell. And we engage in mortifications by relinquishing a beloved object or an activity that would be difficult for us to let go of. The sacrificial offering may take many forms, from giving up indulgent desserts or leisurely television binges or and you have to do this with the consent of your spouse and a spiritual director, even the intimacy of the marital embrace. Now, most adults who have been through Lent more than once, this isn't difficult for them to do. There's a bunch of things that you know that you have to give up. One thing that I found very fruitful and very beneficial to me during Lent is taking things on. Now, a lot of these things are things that I find unpleasant or difficult to do. And it could be something as simple as performing random acts of kindness for, you can do them for strangers, or you could do them for loved ones, but I find it especially helpful to do it to people that have, whether intentionally or unintentionally, gotten out of their way to make my life difficult. Sometimes I've also found it really helpful sacrificing my time for a neighbor. See, it's easy to give things up but your time is your life. So when you give up your time for the benefit of another, you are loving that person. So completing your neighbor's chores. And then there's obviously things that are very mentally challenging to do. So you might really love warm showers and you waste time in the shower. You're sacrificing your time for your own benefit. But what if you took on a cold shower and you had to brace yourself for that? And during that time, you prayed. So one thing that I often do with my cold showers is I will say the creed, the Our Father, the Hail Mary, and the Glory Be in Latin. And I'll try to do that twice, and I'll make my cold shower. I'll finish every shower by praying the Creed, the Our Father, the Hail Mary, and the Glory Be twice. 
and I'll offer that suffering to God. And probably one of the simplest things that you could do is just get on a schedule for waking up early in the morning rather than glorying in the warmth of your bed under the covers. Like pick a time and just when the alarm goes off. So how I've been doing this, I found it really helpful, is to have my alarm set as loud as I can possibly set it and I'll set it outside so that it's going to, if it goes off and it stays on, if, it, if it's going on for too long, it's going to wake everybody else in the house up. And I don't want to do that. I want to have some time for prayer. And so I'll have it set outside my bedroom. It goes off. I hear it. I'm like, you know, boom, just out of bed. I need to go turn that thing off. And I'm already out of bed. So I might as well begin my day with my morning offering. Now, although I'm going to spend the majority of my time talking about what us adults can do, I thought I'd maybe spend a little bit of time just talking about what I'm going to be doing with my children during this Lent. How do I help them make their Lent fruitful? And it could be something as simple, and this is something that we're incorporating this particular Lenten season. It's something called sacrifice beads. You may have heard of these before. St. Therese of Lisieux used to do this when she was a child. They're really simple to make. You take some paracord and you make the paracord long enough so that when you put beads on it, and these can be just regular uh, pony beads that you can get from Michael's or any craft store, you make the length of paracord longer than the length of 10 of these beads. At one end, you put a crucifix, or you can put a miraculous metal if you don't happen to have a crucifix uh, lying around, you just can't get your hands on extras. Miraculous metals are pretty easy to come by. And you put that on one end and then you, you feed the beads on it. And then what you do is you start the beads at the beginning of the day away from the miraculous metal or from the crucifix. And as you go throughout the day, you've got 10 beads. The goal is to make 10 sacrifices or offer up 10 prayers during the day or 10 acts of kindness. And every time you do one, you offer that to our blessed Lord and our blessed mother and you move one bead towards the Immaculate Heart or the Sacred Heart or towards the Crucifix, and you, you offering it to them. So this is a visual and physical and tangible component of doing this sacrifice. And then at the end of the day, the goal is to do 10 of those things, and then we can spend the evening during our prayer time, and we don't talk about the things that we've done, but we talk about what we've noticed others have done for us. Another thing you may have heard of is a Crown of Thorns Lenten Wreath. Now, this can be made out of paper. Some people make it out of a type of dough that doesn't go stale after 40 days. But you stick toothpicks through it. And every time an act of kindness is done, you're able to ease our Lord's suffering by going and removing one of the thorns from the crown. Children love this. And we've done that in previous years. We're going to do some combination of the sacrifice beads. So I think what we might do is every time you do five acts of kindness, you can then go and remove a thorn. And eventually we'll get to when you do 10 acts of kindness or 10 sacrifices or 10 prayers, then you'll be able to remove one of the thorns. Now, when explaining this season to my children, one of the things that I wanted to point out was that Sundays are not included in the count of penitential days during the season of Lent, because Sunday is the day that our Lord rose from the dead. They are instead joyous and celebratory days. So if we've sacrificed something during the Lenten season, Sundays are not counted in that calendar. And although we're not saying, hey, those are the days that you can eat chocolate, or hey, those are the days that you get to do the thing that you didn't want to do before, we're not doing that. We do want to make sure that on the Sunday, we are celebrating those days. We are not overemphasizing the penitential portion of this season. Therefore, while it may appear that Lent 
actually lasts for 46 days, which when you count the Sundays, Catholics will omit these Sundays from the council that Lent is 40 days in duration. Now let's move on to Lenten practices. I think it's ideal to focus on removing a particular vice or bad habit and working on developing its opposite virtue or good habit during the season. And what we're doing is we're using our Lenten sacrifices to help us eradicate our predominant fault or vice while simultaneously fostering the virtue that overcomes it. It can be very tempting to overexert ourselves during the season. I know myself, in past years, have taken on way more things than I could possibly even manage to do, and in the process would become overwhelmed, frustrated, and I would find myself falling short very quickly, and then risk not having the motivation nor the determination to pick back up and to continue in my Lenten journey. So it's really important to take on only what you can manage. Remember, these sacrifices and challenges that we take on need to be carried out without complaining or causing discomfort to others. We don't want to become a stumbling block to others during this season. And with my children, I have to remind them that even with things like the sacrifice beads, this isn't a competition, right? This is, we keep these sacrifices to ourselves. And if they're noticed and brought up by other children during our prayer time, like we're saying, you know, I noticed when you picked that up, or I noticed when you shared this with me today, we're not doing it so that we can inflate people's egos. Yes, there is some natural, you know, positive consequence to having that shared in a group setting. People feel encouraged to, to continue to do more. However, we're doing it so that we can give God the glory, meaning we are loving our neighbor just as we love ourselves. Now, in previous years, I used to do something that I don't recommend doing, which was to sacrifice and give up my favorite sin, which, if you think about it, shouldn't be committed anyway. So by all means, yes, you need to give up that sin. But it's also important to sacrifice something good and permissible and enjoyable in moderation. So I'll give you an example. Let's say that Whenever you have a cup of tea, you always take it with milk and sugar. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing sinful about milk and sugar. But let's say during this Lent, you're going to give up that and you're just going to drink your tea without milk and sugar. Or if you're a coffee drinker, instead of cream in your coffee and sugar in your coffee, you're just going to go straight black for the season of Lent. Alcohol is another really easy one. Maybe you're accustomed to having a glass of wine with dinner. There's nothing sinful about that. But perhaps during the season you sacrifice this good and permissible thing in order to work on fostering the virtue of temperance and to give God glory. Now, during the Lenten season, penance and reparation are emphasized, and it's customary to attend confession at least once to fulfill the Church's precept of annual confession in preparation for the precept of receiving the Eucharist at least once during Eastertide. But I would ask you to go further than that. If you're not already going to confession once a month, try during the season of Lent to make your confession once every two weeks, and if you really can, every single week. You can further this by taking on a First Friday practice, or a First Saturday practice, or attending one extra Mass during the week, or maybe even getting to adoration and giving up, again, your time. Glorify God by giving up your time for the sake of another. 
And in the case of adoration, remember that this is the great physician who sits waiting for us to just be with him. He is the ultimate person to help us identify our predominant fault and to work on its opposite virtue. Both confession and adoration are good for the soul. Now, during this season, it's an excellent opportunity to make amends and to repair broken relationships. Now, if you find it hard to do this physically in person, pray for the ability to forgive those who have wronged you and perhaps repented, and consider those whom you have wronged and from whom you should seek forgiveness. It's important to do this by examining your life year by year and searching for ways that you failed or perhaps lied or broken God's laws or harmed others. Asking our Lord for a contrite and humble heart and for the fortitude to correct our wrongdoings is a necessary step in drawing close to Him during this season. As we engage in acts of mortification and charity, it is also beneficial to approach Lent as a 40-day spiritual retreat, and no spiritual retreat would be complete without some type of reading. Most Catholics would gravitate towards Lectio Divina, and while there is nothing wrong with that, I think we should be reading our Bible daily anyway. Outside of Lectio Divina, is there anything else that we could be doing in terms of spiritual reading to draw us closer to our Lord? If you were to look up Lenten spiritual reading and just search that on the internet, you would come up with dozens and dozens of book lists. There is no shortage of them. Sometimes what I'd like to do is, after I've identified the virtue that I'm trying to work on or the vice that I'm trying to eradicate, I'll look for some writings by church fathers or the saints that specifically talk about that. I remember one year I was working on sloth, and in doing research trying to find some spiritual reading, I discovered a fantastic book. It's titled The Noonday Devil, Achidia, the Unnamed Evil of Our Times. That year was unbelievable for spiritual growth and development in rooting out this vice that had taken hold of my life and working to develop its opposite virtue. If you're out of practice in spiritual reading, oftentimes it can be very discouraging when you pick up a book and you find that it's a little bit heavy, it's too meaty for you to really sink into it. We need to find something that is appropriate to our reading comprehension Something that still challenges us, but is not so heavy that we're discouraged and we throw in the towel and say, well, forget it. In the show notes, I will put a list with links to books that I have read during my Lenten seasons that have really helped me. So we've talked about spiritual reading, but let's go a little bit further. Lent can also be a time for personal reflection and growth. It's important for us, if we're not already doing this, to take time to examine our conscience daily and reflect on ways that we can improve our life, such as seeking forgiveness for past wrongdoings or making amends. We can use this as an opportunity to draw closer to God and deepen our relationship with Him through prayer and meditation. God can transform our life. He has the ultimate picture of the saint version of us. He knows what we're supposed to be. So why not spend this time reflecting on what does the saint version of us look like? Actually sit down with a Lenten journal, a prayer journal, or just a piece of paper and think about what would the saint person of you look like? How would they behave? 
What time do they wake up in the morning? What's the first thing that they do? What's the last thing that they do before they close their eyes? How would they organize their affairs? How would they operate in the world? And commit to closing the gap between who you are today and the saint version of you throughout this next 40 days. The brilliance of this is that in becoming this person, the pursuit of becoming the saint version of you doesn't stop at Easter. This is transformative. And that's what I meant by how do you have a transformative Lent? It's completely useless if we just give up things or take things on for this 40-day period, and then after that 40-day period, we go back to being who we were before. No, this journeying closer towards God is really about us becoming the person that God wants us to be, that God has destined from all eternity for us to become the saint version of us. Ultimately, that is how we have a transformative Lent, because at the end of the 40 days, this transformation should have taken place so that we are different. We are behaving different. We have developed virtues that are going to carry us towards heaven. We have eradicated and eliminated vices that were destroying our lives and destroying the lives of those around us. The things that you pick up during this next 40 days, the things that you put down over the next 40 days. These are things that you want to continue doing after we've celebrated the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. What you are doing by choosing these sacrifices or these things to take up, you are choosing who you are becoming, who you want to become, who you want to be for the rest of your life. These should not be temporary and passing practices that are here today and then they're gone for another year and then we pick them up again next Lent. These are virtues that we want to carry with us into eternity. These are practices that we want to carry with us into eternity. I've mentioned a few times on the podcast before that I started this podcast simply because I wanted to be able to pray the rosary every single day for an entire year. I wanted to find a way to make sure that I did it and I made it easy for myself to do. So I recorded it, and then I published it so I could listen to it in podcast form. I wanted to build this habit, and I wanted to carry this habit with me into eternity. Eventually, I ended up recording the 150-decade rosary, and I started that practice during the season of Lent. I'd forgotten about it, but just a couple nights ago, my wife actually reminded me that I was doing that at the beginning of Lent. I wanted to be able to pray 150-decade rosary every single day for 40 days. I wanted to just develop the habit of doing that. So much of my life, the way that I am today, has been transformed by these little decisions, these little sacrifices, and these little practices that I've taken up because I wanted to draw closer to our Lord by becoming the person that He wants me to be. I would picture in my mind's eye, what would the saint version of Dylan do in this moment? How would he react? How would he wake up? How would he go to bed? How would he talk to his wife? How would he talk to his children? I wanted to get us absolutely clear on who that person was. And when I became clear on that, deciding what to do is very simple. But if you lack the clarity on who it is that you're becoming, it's very difficult for that transformation to take place. This is why it's really important that during the season of Lent, you identify the saint version of you and then all of these practices that you're going to take up 
are going to lead you toward becoming that person. So my prayer for you this Lent is that you will see this transformation from this perspective, beginning with the end in mind. Who is it that you want to become? The saint version of you, the best version of you. Because if you can get absolutely clear on the why, the why are you doing this, then the how and the what, the how you're going to accomplish it and what are the details that you're going to do in order to accomplish it, become absolutely clear. You'll have a reason to stick with it even when it becomes challenging, when it becomes dry, when it becomes difficult. And in doing so, you will draw closer to our Lord Jesus Christ and you will experience the transformation that you can carry into eternity. So thank you for joining me for this episode 100. And we're going to finish this episode, as I mentioned, by praying for our patrons, for their family members and their intentions. So please join me. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Pater Noster, qui es in celi sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua sicut in cello et in terra. Panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis hodie, et dimite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Iesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostrae. Amen. Gloria Patri et Filio, et Spiritui Sancto, sicuterat in principio et nunc et semper, et in secula seculorum. Amen. In nomine Patris et Filii, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. And there you have it, folks. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode 100. And until our next episode, may God love you and Our Lady keep you.